Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Hello, and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast where me and my brother John, we answer your question, give you DB's advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. How are you, John? I'm terrible. Uh, our, my family is covered in flu. Uh, we got our flu vaccines. We were responsible citizens, and we got the flu vaccine, but it has failed. It has failed, and my child, one of my children threw up on me last night, and it's I, I had a very long night. Uh, also, it's partly the fault of the th- the throwing up on me. And like I thought, honestly, at this point, I thought maybe we were past the era of my children vomiting on me. Uh, and mm-hmm. so that's a bit of a bummer because I feel like it's uh, just mm-hmm. regression. And also, I stayed up uh, way, way too late last night. In addition to the sick child thing, I was listening to the new podcast S Town. Are you familiar with this? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's incredible! I've heard of it. I I know that it is the 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 podcast from the makers of Serial. I feel like I should know, I, but there's so many podcasts, John, and there are so many good ones. Why does anyone listen to ours? I don't know, but this podcast, uh, S Town, is more like a Faulkner novel than it is like Dear Hank and John. It is uh, closer to Nobel Prize territory, whereas we are closer to, uh, you know, Darwin Prize territory. So yeah, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I know that S Town is a big deal. You know how I know? It's because I've started to see hot takes about it. People who are oh. like, S-Town is a great podcast that should never have been made. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there we are. There we <sighs> are straight up in the cultural relevancy of today. That's what happens when you get famous enough. Everybody starts to tell you how great you are while also telling you you shouldn't exist. <laughs> it is. I mean, it, it is kind of true that if you make it even for a little bit to the white hot center of American popular culture, it's sort of a terrible experience because oh yeah people oh yeah they just hate you like <laughs> they go from they go from liking the stuff that you made to just thinking it's terrible i thought s town was great and i don't care that it's popular uh i i i have stopped being one of these people who says like i only liked nirvana's early work like 
I, I just want to <laughs> I just want to like stuff. It's so it's so hard yeah. to find anything in this world that you can just you can just love. And I I loved S Town. I thought it was fantastic and weird and great. And I'm yeah. I'm yeah. also very tired because of this flu issue. Would you like a short poem? Yeah. Okay. All right. This is from Dorothy Parker. Once when I was young and true, someone left me sad, broke my brittle heart in two. And that's very bad. Love is for unlucky folk. Love is but a curse. Once there was a heart I broke. And that, I think, is worse. Mm. Ah, Dorothy Parker. Yeah. She knew how to twist the knife in that last line. That's what short poems should be, John. I'm all for that. I understand what Dorothy Parker's talking about. I so rarely understand what a poet is talking about, or I'm not quite sure, which is maybe the point, but I just want to know. Just tell me what you mean. I'm sorry. It's been a while since I've complained about short poems, or poetry in general on the pod, because, you know, that gets old. But uh, but I just wanted to thank Dorothy Parker for doing it the way that uh, works for me individually. Dear John and Hank, my biggest claim to fame is now and probably forever will be that when you Google image search a certain chicken breed, quail, Antwerp, Belgian, Bantam, for reference, I am the first non-chicken to show up. I'm obviously pretty proud of this, but my question is, how do I casually work this into conversations? Pumpkins and quail, Antwerp, Belgian, Bantams, Lauren. Well, I, I think I've hit myself onto a picture of Lauren here, unless Lauren was lying. And uh, and I assume that she's this person holding the chickens and not the chickens themselves. Because she said that she was a non-chicken, right? Well, she yeah. actually says in the question, yeah. Hank, just to be clear, that she's the first non-chicken result. And I have also found a picture of Lauren. Um, this is fantastic. Look at all the prizes that they, her yeah, chickens won. They are very won. successful chickens. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean... I don't blame her for wanting to uh, to share this news. Yeah, so I guess the way that I would do it is whenever somebody asks, so what do you do? <laughs> I, just judging from your picture, Lauren, I think that you're probably a student. So I would, I would, but I wouldn't say I'm a student. I would say I raise quail, Antwerp, Belgian, Bantam chickens, and I'm actually the leading human in the field. <laughs> <laughs> like, like according to Google, I am the leading. I'm the lead, yeah. lead human. John, right now I'm scrolling through the results for Hank Green to find out who the first non-Hank Green person is who comes up. Uh, and you'd think I was assuming, I like, and it wasn't going to be interesting, so I wasn't even going to mention it that it would be you, right? I would have thought it would be me too. It's not. Who is it? It is. Uh, it is Ashley Clements in the first episode of the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Well, I think that's great. She's much cooler and more interesting than I am. Can we get back to this quail Antwerp Belgian bantam chicken thing? Because actually, what what I find most amazing is that if you scroll through all the Google image search results, literally thousands of them, you don't come across any other humans. <laughs> no, Lauren no. is the uh, only human in the quail Antwerp Belgian bantam chicken world. Well, I... The- you don't even see a human hand. There's, yeah, this, this is it's amazing. all birds. This is the longest I have scrolled seeing nothing but chickens in my there's entire life. There's some eggs. Life. There's some eggs. There's some chicks. And there's also a number of non, uh, non-chickens. non There's some quails, which is not what we were looking for, but yep. still uh, not, nope. not humans. I see a horse and a cow. I saw some, I saw some people's feet. This is a great bit. No wonder that we're being compared to S-Town. <laughs> Some people say that this is the S-Town of Advice Podcasts. Lauren, you just need to get a t-shirt 
and say, uh, I would just print the picture on the T-shirt, actually, because then people will ask you about right. your T-shirt and you can just say, listen, right. yeah, as it happens, I'm the leading quail Antwerp Belgian bantam you know, uh, human being human. on Google. Well, it, some, sometimes I think like it's best to have those things in your back pocket for not leading with. Mm. Like, uh, like if I was if I had been in like it, it like, for, for example, I, I've done some cool stuff. And I don't, I don't, don't tend to like start off with like my my supreme achievement. I start, mm. I, I start off with like, uh, and then and I let let it work in, and people are like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a neat thing, but you're not totally like you haven't let that seep into you so much that it's like all, all about who you are. You have mm-hmm. this cool thing about yourself that that comes up later in the conversation, and then people think it's cooler. So like, what you hold back is that in 1998, Winter Park High School voted you best dancer. Right, I, I, like you can't lead with that. But but right. when when it comes up, then it's like, oh, he's he knows this about himself, but he's not he's not like put, putting it on his T-shirt, though. I do kind of want to put it on my T-shirt now that I've said that. I think what you need is a lot of chicken trivia. Like you need you need more than just this. Uh, you can just sort of like, you know, this is clearly it's become a big part of your persona. So you just have to run with it. Lean in and say, hey, like, did you know that there are more chickens in America than humans? And and et cetera. Is that true? Yes, but that's like the only chicken trivia I have, Lauren. So you're going to have to work on the rest of it yourself. John, I've got another question. All right, give it to me. Dear Hank and John, not that I want to bore you with even more questions about rich people, but something that's been gnawing at my mind lately. Why do rich people like golf so much? What is it about golf that appeals to them over all other sports? Uh, for Isaac Lawton. Hank, do you know that a chicken's body temperature normally runs between 102 to 103 degrees Fahrenheit? So a chicken essentially always has a human fever. Mm. So if you surrounded yourself with chickens, you'd be, you'd be like toasty, like too hot. Yeah, it's almost like be like going in a hot tub. Yeah, it's like a bath. It's like bath temperature. So you, could you heat a bath with a chicken? Or enough chickens. That's something I never want to find out. Go goes, back to the question. <laughs> Isaac just simply ends his question for Isaac. Uh, so, do rich people uh, do, do do you say, do you yell for? Is that a thing? Is it, or is that like a just a trope that like beat me up, Scotty? Uh, uh, Hank, I have no idea. Like, I know people who play golf. Okay. My best friend plays a ton of golf, but I I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. My theory uh, is. Well, okay, I, I, I don't know is the short answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, me, yeah. Because good, I, good I, I used to bowl a lot, Hank, as you know. Like, I used to bowl every day for several yep. hours a day. It was like, a, for about a year, it was a really intense fascination of mine. And what I loved about bowling is that you're essentially trying to do the exact same thing over and over and over again. Uh but it's impossible to do over and over and over again. Like you can't, right. you can't quite do the right thing every time. And that's just fascinating. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yep. Golf has a little bit of that element, but then you always have to do other things because you have to change clubs and sometimes you're putting. It just seems to me like mm-hmm. a nice walk. Uh, well, I think there's a John Feinstein book called A Good Walk Spoiled. And it's always seemed that way to me. Like, why don't you just walk nine miles with your friends? <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, it's a thing that you can do while you're having a meeting. And like, you can like, it, like, it's a way of uh, like, 
I've I also never golf. To be clear, this is a guess. It's a, like it's a way of having a social experience with people who are colleagues, and like mediate it through this activity. That then, but like there's lots of time for talking about for getting to know each other. But then you like you have this great opportunity where ninety percent of the time can be getting to know each other, and then ten percent of the time can be actually like so. So how much is the minimum order quantity for your uh, your your manufactured product, colleague, business person? Right, but I, th- I feel whatever. like bowling is the same way. Like that, that, that to me, you could do that with could be yeah with any any sort of like chill yeah. sport. Basically, uh, we don't know. It's one of the great mysteries of the human species why all rich people are drawn to golf like moths to the flame. Mm-hmm. It's also a very expensive well, a, sport, is, so maybe it's a way of yeah, establishing it's an sport. um est- like establishing a sort of class system. I don't know. I don't know either. It's become it's I think it's become a little bit less of an expensive sport, but like it's designed to take up a bunch of space. Like you can't play golf without a lot of space. And the more space you have, the better your golf is. So uh, I think there's a certain amount of um, it, it, this is something that is not accessible to other folk, and so uh, it, it is appealing in that way. And there, it, I don't think that's I don't think that's conscious, but there may be some kind of subconscious thing there. I, I don't want to move on from the question too soon, Hank, but I would argue that we're actually moving on from it too late. Did you know that chicken <laughs> sperm can survive in a, in a hen for up to thirty two days? What? That is. I distressing did, I to me. There's something like that upsets the germaphobe part of me. Hank, I have another question. It comes from Cornelia who asks, Dear John and Hank, uh, since people are for some reason planning on going to Mars, it got me thinking, what color is the sky on Mars? The picture I have in my head is that it looks just like the night sky with the exception of one giant star instead of uh, very many small ones. Is that true? Uh, surely it's not the same color blue that we have here on Earth because of the differences in our atmosphere or something. I love that or something. <laughs> it's just perfect. Yeah, good. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Cornelia. Um, Hank, or something? Uh, yeah, it's a different color. It, it, weird. It's weird. So you'd think that we would know the answer to this question. You'd think we'd know the answer to this one, John. We, you would. And we kind of do. We kind of do, but we kind of don't. Because look at your sky. What color is the sky on Earth? It's a bunch of different colors. Sometimes it's black, sometimes it's blue, sometimes it's a dark blue or a light blue or like a purple or an orange. The sky is a bunch of different colors and it is the same way on Mars. But even weirder and more confusing making than that, you've seen like the dress, right? And everybody's like, it's yellow and gold or white and gold or blue and black. Mm -hmm. Our brains, when we see like they they like we have like a sort of auto white balance system in our brains so that when we look at a, like a color it doesn't look like a different color depending on like where the light is hitting it and so we can we know like that's red and like that entire tablecloth is red despite the fact that like one side of it isn't doesn't have as much light on it and the other side has more light on it and there's lots of wrinkles and so like you know though that the whole thing is red and so there is some speculation, and, and when we take pictures of Mars, we kind of have to guess what our eyes would see. And sometimes we balance it more to what like what it would look like if it were on Earth with Earth's atmosphere, and sometimes we balance it more to like what we think we would see. But at the same time, there, there's, this, there's this like unknown quantity to what the sky on Mars looks like that we will not really know until we have a human there to look at it. So... 
I'm not a scientist, but just quick question. Couldn't, you know, you got that minivan on Mars right now. Mm-hmm. What if you just turned that little mofo up and <laughs> had it look up at the sky and took a picture? I mean, we've done this. But the oh, thing really? is, Did they, like, they already thought of yeah. that. <laughs> the thing is, you have to you have to white balance it. You have to like decide like what white is on that. Did, I mean, surface. did we not get a good camera up there? No, but like we, sorry, you have to like, choose what white is. Just like when when I take a picture with my camera, I get to choose what white is. They have to choose what white is, and it's not entirely clear what white would be for a person who is standing on the surface of Mars with a very different. Uh, with very different sunlight and with very different uh, atmospheric composition. Now, we, th- we have a pretty good idea. I- I've said all of this now, and I can say that, like, if you were on the surface of Mars, you would look up and on the majority of days uh, at, like, at, like, not sunset or sunrise, you would see something like a sort of brownie, uh, like, a, like a brownie orange, uh, even, like, uh, like a like a even sometimes maybe kind of a yellowish color, but uh, but mm. there are also times depending on how much like water like my son's vomit <laughs> like how much water is oh god how much water like ice is in the sky that you would see more of like a blue gray and they think that like d- despite the fact that like the color is more orange like a dark sort of orangey brown you you your mind might perceive that more as a gray because your mind is like getting ready to see a different like it's expecting colors to be a certain color it's just it's weird like colors are weird which we have discovered with the internet getting really obsessed with a, a dress and how, what colors it is uh you know what else is weird Chick- chickens is it chickens there are 25 billion chickens that means that chickens <laughs> uh are the most successful bird species on earth Ever, there are more sure. chickens than there are any other bird uh and ever have been that is a, that is an impossible number of birds it is that is nuts are there more of anything than of chickens uh yeah there's more uh krill oh that makes sense that makes sense i totally buy into that plankton all that stuff how did did you know that like off the top of your head or is that in the article you're skeeving from right now oh no i know all these chicken facts what even i'm not at an article this is just this is just stuff i know (laughs) i've got by the way I'm just getting started. If you thought like, oh, this was a little bit of a good bit and it's over. No, wrong. It's just beginning. Hank, do you know Uh, where the world chicken population is the highest? What nation has the most chickens on Earth? Is it the United States of America? No, the United States is second with 1.7 billion chickens. Is it China? It's China with 3.6 billion chickens. What? They've got like double our chickens. They have. uh, And you know what? This is something that we never talk about. Like everybody says, oh, we need to be worried about uh, our trade imbalance with China. What about our chicken imbalance with China? I mean, this is this is an issue of national security. We are almost (laughs) two billion chickens behind. (laughs) Okay, John, this question comes from anonymous. What did I just say? Who asks? This is a kind of a chicken-related question, John. Why can't we see bird ears? Where are they? Great question. <laughs> I mean, by you the way, thanks, Anonymous, for not signing that one. Yeah, you don't want... You know, <laughs> seriously, what's, what is the uh, what's I the totally concern? understand your desire to remain an unnamed source in this story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, birds have ears. They are under their feathers. They are little holes in the sides of their heads. Uh, it's interesting to think about ears as um, 
as like like a functional thing rather than a physical thing. So I think of an ear, and I picture like the thing that Vincent Van Gogh cut off his head if he actually did that. I don't. He know. did, and like it's the it's the cartilage that is hanging off the side of your head, mm-hmm. but. Functionally, an ear is just like the thing you use to hear with. And so for other animals, there is like the thing that they use to hear with doesn't actually have external physiology. Birds just have like a, a hole in the side of their head. And I, like uh, like reptiles have those too. And I don't know what they're called. If there's like a different name for, for ears that don't have ears, but. <laughs> um, what? Do you know? Uh, do you know how many pounds of chicken the average American eats in a year? It's distressing. Uh, well, I I probably eat, I don't know, maybe maybe two to two to five pounds of chicken a week. What? So I'm gonna say no way. What you eat five pounds no? of chicken a week? I don't know, John. Maybe <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> on, a, on a big, you're week? telling me that you have on average like ten to twelve chicken meals per week. I, that's not possible. <laughs> Respectfully, you don't. I don't agree that you eat five pounds of chicken a week. That's ludicrous. Uh, I, I bet I could do it. I really like. I mean, chicken. I'm sure you could in an emergency. I'm saying that in the average week, you don't choose. To. There's three meals a day, John. Eat, there are three meals a day. One of them. I mean, I, I guess eggs. Kind of, no, eggs are don't eggs count as eggs it's one of the no. great questions <laughs> but um right. i'm right. just a talking hot dog about a sandwich is an egg and chicken all right we actually you know what it's it's 84.9 uh pounds a year and i'm moving on to another question even i'm tired of this bit <laughs> this question comes from shane who writes dear john and hank a friend of mine recently got a tattoo of a world map on his forearm i don't really like tattoos in general but that's not the issue here the main problem is that the map is a mercator projection should i tell him about all the inaccuracies <laughs> and problematic socio-cultural viewpoints associated with the mercator projection or would it be unfair to ruin his forearm for him forever yours etc shane uh well first of all it's on his forearm so he could just turn it upside down and see it the way like the way that if the world was the other way around and so you could see like right a bit like like hey look it doesn't have to be north doesn't have to be the top of the map it could be on so you got that going for yeah, you. Yeah, south could be up. I don't think that's really the issue, though. I mean, I think the right, larger issue problems. is that the, the projection just makes countries look the wrong size, you know? Yes. Uh, all maps have their problems, but as that is the most famous map, its uh, problems are the most famous problems. Uh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> Shane, the time to have this conversation with your friend was like the hour right. to... 30 years before the tattoo. <laughs> and I think now is yeah. probably not the time to have the conversation. But John, if it comes up at some point, I think you can share your opinions, but I feel like yeah. you probably don't want to start that combo. So, but, so you said all maps have their problems. Yeah. But the globe, a globe is a kind of map and it does mm-hmm. not have that problem. And in that like all the things on a globe are the right shape because the earth is round. You don't have to flatten it out. So, like you get a beach ball and you put a glo- put a map on it and you're pretty good. What body part? Mm, well, what body part? Yeah, could but you, you don't have a spherical body part to tattoo a globe on. You do. You got No, you don't. You got, well, it's close. Your whole head. No, that's a terrible idea on several levels. You get, you're going to have to cut Antarctica because you have a neck. But everything else 
you could get like and it is much better than any flat map projection so you're gonna like top yeah i mean i agree it would be better than any flat map projection but it comes with its own set of problems you'd have to like you'd have to largely i think the biggest issue is that you would have to shave right. your head all well, the time lots of people do that otherwise you're gonna be like really biased against one <laughs> hemisphere or the other and so that's gonna look like I mean, you want to talk about Eurocentrism. If you choose to put Europe on your mm. forehead, yep. you know, I mean, that's that Eurocentrism. Is. Well, what you got to do on is, the other you, hand, like, you got to put, you know, like, the Pacific on your, your face so you don't have too much face tattoo happening. Because the Pacific is huge. Yeah, just like well, Hawaii. Well, there is Hawaii. It's like, Hawaii, maybe, like, Japan over yeah. on one mm -hmm. cheek. Uh, I mean, I guess that's a good, I guess that's a good call, Hank. Like, it's a, it's an interesting theory i guess my my biggest concern with it is that you're probably going to have australia on your jawbone no matter what you do <laughs> uh even if you put the pacific yeah. on your face and then on the other side really your whole right cheek is going to be the americas um and i think i feel like that's going to look that's going to look america centric that's going to look like you're privileging the americas over uh, afro eurasia and in the end like Nothing against the Americas, but Afro-Eurasia historically is where most of the action's been. Eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> the point is that unless you can spin a map uh, in a globe form, it's very... And even then, you're putting north up instead of north down. So it's just... I, I think it's very hard not to have mm -hmm. some level of bias. And I would argue that... I, I Look, I'm all for face tattoos, I, you know, but I think... <laughs> I don't know if that's the face <laughs> tattoo to get. Oh, I'm looking at pictures of, of map tattoos on people's forearms right now, and they're cool. What one? Yep. This one's pretty good. Greenland isn't too huge. Africa looks substantial. I'm in it. I'm hey, into it. Hank. Yeah. Are you are you finding yourself uh, thinking more about getting a tattoo? Because I am. I You know I am. I don't know when that started, but I totally am. Me, me neither. I know it's happening, and I it, it, I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a midlife crisis thing. I I think I'm a bunch of things that are happening to me are midlife crisis things, so it's totally possible. Uh, but or if it's just that like tattoos have been so normalized that now I think like oh maybe I will get a tattoo. But I've I, I've made it you know probably about half my life without one, and I feel like um, it's also the time when a tattoo would look best on me is probably right. past. A little bit of that, yeah. Uh, yes, I agree with you. So I don't know. Uh, there's so many. There's just so many cool, cool tattoos and people. And like, I think that the te the techniques are getting better. Like tattoos, yeah. like seem to look cooler now than they used to. Uh, yeah, they don't all look like Ryan Gosling's. Uh, yeah, like cact cactus, cactus hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this guy uh, has a bunch of country flags tattooed on his head and face. So that's great. That's something. That's good. But I don't see any. I, I haven't found anybody who's tattooed the, uh, the the globe on onto their head and face, unfortunately. So you could be the first. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, it's really it's it's hard that's, to even tell the difference between there. this and S Town. Let's, yeah. All right. This question. <laughs> I mean, no wonder Blue Apron won't sponsor us. We're crap. <laughs> This question comes from Natalie, who asked, Dear Hank and John, I recently had a few teeth removed, an operation which required I be put to sleep with whatever drug they use for that sort of thing. Anyway, 
Whatever I was high on made me cry uncontrollably. I didn't feel sad, I just felt the need to cry. My mom claims that my reaction to this drug lets her know how I'll act when I've had alcohol. I say those are two different types of intoxication. As John is very familiar with dental operations, I was wondering if you would agree. Hank, I'm not ignoring you. I just don't know if you've ever been anesthetized. High on life and painkillers, Natalie. Yeah, I mean, this is one of my areas of expertise because I've had a lot of oral surgeries mm -hmm. um, in which I've been anesthetized in many different ways. Uh, and I've also uh, had a reasonable amount of alcohol in my life. <laughs> and I would say that your mother is dead wrong about yes, this. Good. I do not think that when you have uh, two glasses of wine, you will find yourself uncontrollably weeping. No. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my suspicion. You know, they, they have, there's this thing about like, oh, this person's a happy drunk. This person's a sad drunk. I don't, I don't know about that, man. I've definitely had both. Definitely been on both yeah, sides of I've that coin. I've definitely experienced both sides of that coin. It's really about what you bring into the experience. Mm -hmm. um, but I think actually uncontrollable crying is a pretty common side effect of some of the... It is. Uh, yeah. Uh, conscious sedation stuff that they do uh, for, for oral surgeries these days. I, uh, I prefer just to go with Novocaine and maybe if I'm uncomfortable or scared, a little bit of the laughing gas. I don't really, I don't need to go all the way into a twilight state. Uh, I, I like to know what's going on, you know? I, I actually like to watch the little screen where I can see them going inside my oh, tooth yeah. looking for oh, the my. secret... Ooh root canal that failed or whatever god i, I hate Ooh, i hate ah. dentistry so much i don't want to I, I mean i, I just know. i'm sorry about your oh, face i just hate it i just i, I was talking so so uh, i've i've been anesthetized i most most recent was from my colonoscopy where they give you that sort of like waking sedation and yeah. that the nurse was telling me that uh that like a fair number of people get really sad. A fair number of people get really happy and giddy. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a not insignificant people who become entirely like super belligerent, mm. like mean and nasty. And like, they, they like, they like yell and they try to get away and they fight people. Um, and, uh, and like, they like, they have to like tie them down basically. Uh, and I did, I got super happy the last time to the point where I was like, I could definitely see myself abusing this drug. Uh, don't let me have this. Don't even tell me what it's called, because this is a fun thing, and I I had a real good time, uh, not, and I didn't remember any of it afterward. But Catherine assures me that I was having it a good good old good old high on whatever it was. Yeah. So they've stopped using that drug in the last year, Hank. I'm also an expert in the field of colonoscopies, uh, and increasingly they use oh, a no. different drug that you don't uh, you don't have the memory loss from, but you also don't have that sweet, sweet mm. uh, feeling of Demerol coursing through your veins. Uh, so that's just an update. <laughs> just an update for you. Oh. Well, now I now I've, no, I I used to like, like after that experience, I was like, well, I'm not going to I'm kind of looking forward to my next colonoscopy, oh but I guess now not so much. Please, please steer clear of Demerol. <laughs> it is the, the, the bad path. The difficult. It's a difficult path. Uh, to fall down. Okay. All right, Hank, we got a question from Tess who writes, Dear Green Brothers, my name is Tess and I'm a senior in high school. Are you trying to be the new Ryan, Tess? I'm the class president and I'll be expected <laughs> to give a speech at my graduation ceremony. Whenever I sit down to write, I just get angry at myself for not being as eloquent and profound as I want to be. At other times, I listen to podcasts and I'm awed as you give some of the most profound statements as easily as one would read a street sign. Tess, I believe that you may have written to the oh. wrong podcast. <laughs> 
I think that you were trying to talk to S Town, and they do. They are doing a great job. Do you have any advice on how to be more profound? Also, what would you say to a class of fifty-one graduates? Hold up! I was so impressed with Tess for being the the president of her class. <laughs> But it turns out that she had like a she had like a two percent chance of being the president of her class. There's only fifty one <laughs> <That's>, people. <laughs> that's, Although that's I guess I graduated from a class of fifty two, and I sure as hell wasn't the uh, president of my class. So, <laughs> uh, also, uh, what would you say to a class of fifty one graduates as they enter a world that at times seems more malevolent than benign? Well, that's mm. a lovely sentiment right there. Any advice, yeah, dubious or otherwise, is appreciated. Don't let the bastards get you down, Tess. You what you gotta say? You gotta start out with like, "Hey, I know that it sometimes seems like the world out there is more malevolent than benign, but I'm Tess. My name is Tess, <laughs> and I'm here to tell you what John and Hank Green told me to tell you, which is that they have students give the graduation speeches because." The adults have heard it all before, and so they won't say it because it sounds trite to them. But it doesn't sound trite to us because we're new, we're young, we're ready, we're fresh, fresh and so clean. And just to say exactly these words. And you might think that the sky on Mars is red. You might think that the, the cameras on Mars can tell you what that sky color is, but S-Town is the best podcast John has ever heard. His children's puke is a yellowy color and he hates oral surgery. And I'm out! <laughs> I, was, I mean, did you have a colonoscopy between this question and the previous question? <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, basically that. So That's... I think, Tess, I think Hank started out on the right track <laughs> with, I know at times the world seems more malevolent than benign. But I think that um, after you say that, you should just say, and, you know, it probably is more, slightly more malevolent than benign. And then I think you should just sit down. <laughs> I'm tired of these hopeful, optimistic graduation speeches that everything's going to be okay. No, it's not. <laughs> no, I mean, it's I, like, you know, the best, the, the, the best years of your life are ahead of you, Tess. And uh, I, I always think a good graduation speech is one uh, that acknowledges that high school was not like merely awesome. You know, like I, I always disliked the graduation speeches where they would be like, and won't we have wonderful memories of prom? Like maybe, maybe we'll, some of us will have good memories of prom. Others of us will have terrible memories of prom. And furthermore, like I feel like if you're doing it right, like high school isn't the best, you know, like hopefully the roller coaster at some point will reach like a higher peak than it did at prom. That's what I think about uh, uh, the life in American high schools. I think it's very easy to romanticize it. And we have a strong culture of romanticizing it that many would tell you I have participated in despite my best attempts not to. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, you know, like it gets harder, but it also gets more interesting from there. Don't you think? Uh, oh, I definitely do, John. Uh, I had a, a mix of high school experiences, but the first few years were real bad. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I also I also had kind of like two high school experiences 
of which the first was the worst and the second was better and also I would say pretty good, but I don't look back on that time as like the happiest time of my life or anything. I look back on it as like a really complicated time, oh, yeah. you know, like every, pretty much every other time. I have, I've had a few years in my life that were pretty great, uh, like that I could look back to and I think, well, that was a pretty great year. But most of the years in my life have been complicated. Um, well, speaking speaking of which, John, I have to tell you, uh, we got to hit, hit our sponsors for the day. Uh, this podcast brought to you by Terrible Memories from Prom. Terrible Memories from Prom. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I, I, by the way, I went to like uh, three different proms and I had three different but all really interesting, cool experiences. Today's podcast is also brought to you by S-Town. S-Town, so much better than this podcast. This podcast is also brought to you by the Quail Antwerp Belgian Bantam, a chicken, I think. Oh, it is a chicken. Yeah, no, it's a chicken, uh, but it's most important uh, and famous human <laughs> representative is Lauren. Uh, and lastly, today's podcast is brought to you by uh, that minivan on Mars. That minivan on Mars, not great at setting the white balance, apparently. <laughs> it's just complicated, okay? It's complicated how your how our eyes work. I believe you. I just think it's a little stupid that we don't know what color. The, I don't know. I, I believe you. You're a much smarter person than I am. I'm sure that you're right. Uh, let's answer <laughs> one more question, Hank, from our listeners. Uh, by the way, sorry for all the questions we didn't get to. I feel very bad. Uh, all right. So listen, your toilet is massively gross. Like it's grosser than you think. In fact, bacteria and viruses can hang around in the toilet bowl even after multiple flushes. And I recently found the easiest way to clean my toilet. Blue Land's sustainable toilet cleaner tablets. Just drop, watch it fizz, brush and flush. It is truly that simple. No more scrubbing for hours. Plus the tablets are plastic free. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blue Land products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains, including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. We got a question here from Bastion who writes, Dear John and Hank, recent events have made me extremely paranoid about the news I'm consuming. There seems to be so much misinformation going around. Really? You think? That I feel the need to scientifically <laughs> fact check everything I read before sharing uh, it with my friends yeah. and family. But I simply don't have the time for that. How much fact checking and cross referencing do you do before you share what's happening in the world? And when do you feel confident to share and engage in any discussion? Some dubious advice would be appreciated. Greetings from Germany. Oh, Bastion. Ah. Is there any way yeah. you can send Angela Merkel over here? Not, I don't mean for a visit. <laughs> I mean for good. We John, need someone I mean, with a PhD got... in physical chemistry to lead our country. We've got Justin Trudeau right there. He's right there. He could just come. I don't believe Justin Trudeau even went to graduate school. It's true. Yeah. Merkel has a lot going for her. Bastion. Here's what I got to say. Like, if you're looking at a tweet, if you're looking at some like thing that got like sent to you through social media, you got to fact check that stuff. 
It just, you have, but if you're looking at an article that's published by a reputable news organization that is actually about the news rather than about hot takes about the news or about whether or not what someone said was true or not, uh, then you're safe. And so, like, what we generally are talking about, fact-checking everything before you send along, is whether, like, is, is like the discussion of controversy and scandals, which to me is seeming less and less like news and more and more like entertainment. Yep. And, uh, and so like, y- yes, it, it's almost as if it doesn't really matter whether that fact is true before you, that, that's not really so much what you should think about before you send it on though, do do that. But whether or not that fact is actually helping people understand the world better, or it's just making them feel a way that they enjoy, which tends to be a way that, in which they uh, are belittling the people that they dislike. I think it's a, also a question of like, is this closer to information that is being, you know, like carefully, reported and vetted, which I will say, I think right now, large media companies do a better job of than uh, internet uh, lone wolves, including, by the way, Hank and John Green, uh, or as I prefer to think of them, John and Hank Uh Green. Uh, I also also think that you have to consider, is this closer in content to information about Uh, the ongoing famine in Somalia, or is this closer in content to information about uh, Kim Kardashian's marriage to Kanye West? Because I actually think both of those are important, and I understand why why people want to be informed about them both, but um, I think the level of fact-checking that you have to do uh, for one is different than the level of fact-checking you have to do for the other, because I just think that uh, yeah, it's like you said, Hank, we are sharing a lot of what we're sharing is not really about the news. It's really about, uh, yeah, trying to find out who we identify w- w- with and trying to establish who we are, which is important. It's just not uh, it's just not news. There's a there's a certain amount of like what I think the, the news has become. And I think this is not a, like an immediately new thing. But a lot of it is about like, how, like tr- okay, we need to try and convince a group, like a larger group of people, to be on the right. I'm using air quotes side of this conversation, and um, and so the 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 things that we choose to share are the things that influence like what your like that have a higher chance of influencing someone's opinion rather than just what is the most newsworthy event of the day. Because, and I totally get that because when I'm sharing stuff on the internet, I mostly want to share stuff that's like, look, we need to make better decisions and we need to make, we need to have more people who agree that these are the things that are important and that those things that we don't think are important aren't important. And so it's almost like we, like there is a much bigger part of what news has become now that's about that's just purely about politics rather than about being informed about something. And when the world is as complicated as it is, being informed is very difficult. And it's much easier to sort of have a worldview and then just accept whatever content fits within that worldview and share that content. But I think that it is really started to serve us very poorly. By the way, this is something that Hank and I both struggle with. Like we are not the... uh 
We are. Oh yeah, I do this all yeah, the time. Yeah, we are not the the wise old men John. trying to uh, tell you about the world. We yeah. are the we, we are with you. <laughs> we are in this. We are the problem. We are the problem. Yeah, uh, it's something that we struggle with a lot. <laughs> um, in the interest of fact checking, though, uh, Hank, I just want to note that Justin Trudeau started a master's degree in environmental geography, <laughs> uh, but then uh, gave it up and uh, sought public office and now is, of course, the Prime Minister of Canada. One of his um, principal advisors is named Gerald Butts. <laughs> John, you let... You, I feel that wasn't, like, that's not super relevant, but it's just another thing you just that ha- I You have to stay informed on the funny names that, that uh, Prime Minister's advisors have. Uh, you really... I feel like you let me down. You, you let me down on the chicken facts. Did you did you did you just like run out of chicken facts, John? No, I wanted to move. I wanted to move on to the Gerald Butts issue, which I feel like is one of those things that we're ignoring because we're only paying attention to news about like the current political scandal in the United States rather than paying attention to the news of who is the 14th most powerful Canadian, according to a McLean's magazine piece in 2014. Gerald Butts is the 14th most powerful Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, Hank, it's time for the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. I'm going to start off with the news from AFC Wimbledon because uh, we lost 2-0 to Port Vale mm. uh, in, in in League One. The League One season is wrapping up, and I wouldn't say that AFC Wimbledon is, is firing on all cylinders at the moment. Uh, however, we won arguably our most important game of the second half of the season against the franchise currently playing its trade in Milton Keynes. And uh, 41 games into the season with five games to go, uh, we are sitting on 54 points, which in the world of League One is known as enough. Uh, that is enough <laughs> points to stay up. Oh, good. So, yeah. So I don't know that we're really, we really have much to play for at the moment, except for pride. Of course, pride is very important, but uh, not important enough to beat Port Vale. Well, um, congrats on the enough, John. What else can we ask for in life? Then enough. That's right. No, listen, if AFC Wimbledon finished 12th in League One after... Uh, Getting promoted last season, I am delighted. That's great news. What's the news from Mars? Uh, well, there's a bit of a of a of a spat, John. Uh, you know, you don't you don't know necessarily that there's drama in the Mars world because, well, I mean, we can't have long debates about what what color the sky is, but indeed, um, so you you know Elon Musk and you know Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, and I actually I actually literally know both of them. I have met both of what? them. What? When did you meet Elon Musk? Yeah, I have. I have, uh, not to brag, but uh, like I've texted with Elon Musk. You are totally, first of all, bragging. Second of all, lying, right? No, I'm not lying. What, you have his phone he number? He came up to me at a party and he said that he really liked my, uh, who said it, Charlie Sheen or Muammar Gaddafi video. Oh my goodness gracious, why don't I know this? I don't know. I can't believe I've never told you that before. Anyway, yes, I have no. met both Neil deGrasse Tyson and and Elon Musk. Are they in a are ah. they in a in a uh, in a war? No, they are in a they are in a minimum a spat. Um, maximum. Oh, maximum is there any spat. way that I could be brought in to mediate? Because I'm ready. Yeah, yes, I definitely definitely could uh, sit on that stage at the uh, at SpaceCon. Is SpaceCon a thing? SpaceCon should be a thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson... Oh my God, just what we need, Hank, with another business idea. <laughs> uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was doing a Reddit AMA and was asked yep. if he would uh, take uh, take uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX trip to Mars. 
And he, he said he had a condition, which was, he said, quote, I really like Earth, so any space trip I, ta- I take, I'm double-checking that there's sufficient funds for me to return. Also, I'm not taking that trip until Elon Musk sends his mother and brings her back alive. Then I'm good for it. <laughs> Neil! I, I, I mean, I think, that's, I think that's perfectly charming. I think that it's, I think it's charming, but I think it's a little unfair. Maybe not mom. Maybe somebody who's a little bit like more physically fit than Elon Musk's probably quite aged mother. I mean, yeah, Elon Musk has a brother. Uh, so maybe, yeah. yeah but I, I, I'm just saying like in general, I get the, I I, I don't know. I, I, I get his point. I am also a huge fan of Earth. So maybe I'm uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit biased here. By the way, Elon Musk's mother is not that old. No, she's also gorgeous. She is rather gorgeous. She's a South African Canadian model and dietitian, <laughs> according uh, according oh to Wikipedia, goodness. and she was born in 1948. So I th- she could still go to Mars. Oh yeah, she could totally go to Mars. She looks like she may have been there already. <laughs> this picture is amazing. Yeah, no, she definitely photographs amazingly. Um, yeah. Uh. Yeah, well, you know, She's Hank, sad. we can't all be Elon Musk, and we can't all be Elon Musk's mother. Uh, what else did we learn today? Oh, we learned that John knows Elon Musk, <laughs> it's and he true. didn't tell me. It's true. Had a it's whole true. thing. It's true. We learned ah. that chicken sperm can survive for more than a month inside of a chicken. And we learned that chickens in China outnumber chickens in America. One of the greatest national frickity chickity chickity tack. What happened to me? I don't know. It was like uh, it was like you were a robot that broke down. I've long suspected that you might be an artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah, ever since you were a child and thought that everybody was fake except you. I did. I did think that when I was a child. And by the way, I have never heard a particularly compelling argument uh, about why I was wrong. Like, I, I now believe that I was wrong and that every other human is also a human. But just to be clear, I believe that because I think it makes me a better person, not because I think that it is provably true. Uh, And lastly, we learned that the podcast as town is truly fantastic. You should listen to it right away. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm worried because I heard the hot take that it shouldn't exist. So now now I'm worried that you're wrong. I mean, you know what? Maybe that's right. I, and, and like I've missed something terrible and I'm, I, I'm promoting some <laughs> horrific podcast and I'm going to get a lot of, a lot of uh, flashback. But mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 I enjoyed it very much. And as someone who has uh, lived at times in small town Alabama, not too far from where this podcast is set, I found it uh, fascinating and, and quite compelling. Uh, Hank, thank mm-hmm. you for podcasting with me. It is now our job to go and do This Week in Ryan's, which is uh, available. This Week in Ryan's! It's available to uh, anybody um, out there who uh, wants to go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash dearhankandjohn. You can get a little mini podcast every week. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a, a, a good thing. But you don't have to go. It's not that good. Uh, but thanks for potting with me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can email us at hankandjohn at gmail.com. Hank, you want to do the credits? Dear Hank and John is produced by Rosiana Hulse Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our editor is Nicholas Jenkins. Victoria Bianciorno is our head of community and communications. And our music is by the great Gunnarola. As they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be, to be awesome. awesome.